0: No, Chris is keeping that. He always does.
1: We'll see.
2: Hello, and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast.
0: Whoa.
2: This is episode 106. Nope. 206.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And my name is Jake, and I'm joined by Chris,
0: Ames, and Caitlin.
2: This week, we're gonna be discussing two episodes of Star Trek the next Deep Space Nine.
3: Whoa. (laughs) Accurate. 106.
2: We'll be well, in fact, we'll be talking about the next episodes of Deep Space Nine from the ones we discussed last week.
0: Code of Honor and Inner Light. That's right. <laughs> what a what an interesting that would be mix. A ho- that would be
2: a freaking rol- emotional roller coaster of yeah. a week.
0: Honestly, I'm not as good at remembering well anything as you guys, but especially not episode titles. Those are ones I knew that I could uh I could whip out. So, oh.
3: yeah, DS9 I <sighs> I'm, I'm struggling to remember episode titles and I know they're only going to get more and more innocuous.
2: Mm. Yeah, they like to get like uh, a little Literary with it, too. Yeah. They'll they'll draw references. Looking
3: ahead at all the Voyager episodes, they're almost all, like, one-word titles. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to know any
0: of these. Oh, Lord.
2: Anyway. What episodes did we
0: actually watch?
2: The ones that we watched this week were, in no particular order, In the Cards, and Empoc-Nor.
3: Oh, that order.
2: (laughs) Yes. But first, we'll be discussing the first one, which is Empoc-Nor. In retrospect, I probably should have said that one first.
0: <laughs> in Empoknor.
2: Mhm, it's true. Should never let me do this. <laughs> They've already tuned out. <laughs> all right, anyway, in Empoknor. Well, the space station's all goofed up. The chief and Nog are uh, crawled into a tight space trying to fix some garbage. Don't and call
0: quarks uh, some garbage. <laughs> that's
2: rough. Yeah, there's some power, you know, some kind of power converter that's on the Fritz. And uh but in order to fix it, they have to use like heavy machinery that is so loud that it's driving all of the customers out of quarks. Um
3: I imagine it was just a piss off quark.
2: Probably. After uh, all that power they door. uh just as they finish it up, they they find out oh shit, it's actually more broken than we thought. And O'Brien goes to Cisco. He's like, Yo, boss, things ain't working so good. We're going to need to replace a bunch of this shit, but it's going to be really hard to get replacement parts unless we go to the other identical space station that we've never mentioned
0: before. That we've
2: never mentioned before. Typical Cardassians. That, that has that has uh that's been abandoned by the Cardassians and is uh has a copy of all of the parts.
0: What and Cisco's what look? like
2: that's great. Just go there and take whatever you need, cause you know, salvage rights or whatever. So uh they do, but before they go, you know, they get a little crew together, a couple security guys just in case, because Cardassians are known to booby trap uh stuff when they leave. They bring a couple engineers. Nog comes along, armed with a giant rifle,
0: Hot. like bigger than him.
2: Like and um, huge. And, uh, and of course, if you're going to go to a Cardassian space station, well, you got to bring a Cardassian. So uh, Garrick joins
0: this week on Everybody Trusts Garrick. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> some reason, told, we've been told not to trust Garrick by he everyone. Told, he,
2: he told us not to trust him,
0: <laughs> but then he tells us in this episode how much everybody fucking trusts him these days,
2: and he finds yeah. it disconcerting. Yeah. Bad. Well, bad news for those people <laughs> uh, because as soon as we get to the space station, some bad shit goes down. First of all, some cryogenic, you know, con pods activate and uh, <laughs> release a couple of Cardassian super soldiers. Whoopsie. Garrick gets some uh, naked time. Uh, oh, goo on say, his hand.
3: Some naked time. Also, <laughs> yeah, he gets yeah. some goo on his hand.
2: He gets some naked oh, time. Goo dear. on his hand. And promptly goes crazy. But that instead of getting drunk, this goo makes you um, violent. Makes you violently xenophobic. It's it's nicknamed QAnon goo. So what's
0: oh, O'Brien's excuse? Say that it- <laughs> yeah, I was gonna make an O'Brien joke. Hey, yeah, QAnon think, yeah. goo is also good.
2: So he basically decides that uh, yeah, he's gonna kill the the rogue Cardassian super soldiers because killing's fun. But then um, he's yeah. gonna, but like, why stop the fun? Well, Let's kill all the humans too. And Nog, uh, but then he'd so, be
3: trapped on the station. That's a bad plan, Garrick.
2: Well, it wasn't really his plan. He was just going mental from the from the drugs. Yeah. So that's what happens. And there's you know they're basically having to he you know f- the other four characters, the four unnamed care well they they are named but the four characters we don't know are promptly dispatched and then uh, oh the runabout also got blowed up. Nog gets kidnapped by Garrick and held prisoner and then um. Curly has to MacGyver himself a, uh, a a a a mine bomb thing.
0: I love that uh, we call him Curly now. Uh, uh it's it's smiley. That's true.
2: <laughs> he wasn't smiling this week. No. On the and inside, uh, yeah, though. he he blows up Garrick, doesn't quite kill him, which uh, I guess is good for Garrick, but yeah, you know, whatever. Somehow you know, we don't really see the resolution like how they got rescued or anything like that. Um but they they're back on Deep Space Nine and Garrick's been purged of the of the goo and uh, he's back to normal and he's like oh I feel bad about that guy I killed but uh, hey, could you tell we're his so wife, friends I'm
3: sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: that's yeah. what happened
3: does that cut it Ugh.
1: so they claim that he broke four of his ribs with the bomb but considering where the bomb was he also lost a nut. Hmm. say it was between his legs. You can't tell me there wasn't some bald eggs. How do
0: we know well, he has nuts? Yeah, you know, I we don't know say. how
2: Cardassians are.
0: I bet he doesn't. I bet there's no nuts.
2: Or they have like an armored, like an armored nut satchel. Yeah, like with spines.
0: He's like an armadillo down there.
2: That's right. There's there's <laughs> there's plates. I mean, really, the the human system is pretty bad.
0: It's, oh, terrible. it's terrible. I always think that. It, it's like. And it's the most painful... Well, actually, that makes sense, though. The fact that it's the most painful thing, that's how you protect your balls. You have Although, no other means of protection except for really not wanting ball pain.
2: So I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that the reason why a lot of uh, mammals have external... Uh, or a lot of male mammals have external gonads is for temperature yeah, regulation. Yeah. yeah, It's too hot inside. You can't get them... You don't want to get them hot because it'll, it'll cook... Cook the sperms or, or whatever, Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But we know that Cardassians are presumably possibly cold blooded, considering the whole lying on the rock thing that they like to do. Yeah. I mean,
0: I like to lie on rocks too.
2: So maybe Pretty sure well,
0: I'm the, the Ames is cold blooded joke writes itself, so I won't bother. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> uh
2: so I don't know, maybe uh maybe they, they have a different situation down there. We maybe. Do.
1: Well, it's-
0: if he didn't have a different situation, he does now. Yes. I
2: guess. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen a bowl of SpaghettiOs,
3: kids? Oh, oh no. God.
1: Another way this ending could have gone was uh, he was, goes like full Rutger Hauer at the end of Blade Runner. It
0: gouges out O'Brien's eyes?
1: No, that's in like the middle of Blade Runner.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: No, no, in the end when he's like stripped down to his underwear howling like a wolf and chasing harrison ford through the
2: abandoned hotel
0: i would have been all right with that mm, i just don't
3: remember any of blade runner
2: i'll oh. say i'll say that the metaphors in blade runner were far more subtle
3: oh my god oh my god okay okay here's what pissed me off cuz otherwise like there, there's some good stuff in this episode there's some fun stuff in this episode about halfway through i th- i'm sure jake started noticing me like cringing and f- flailing and flipping tables because I just got so angry at the Cotra board. (laughs) So did O'Brien. I noticed very, very early on. I wrote down in my notes and I felt so proud of myself. Like, ah, this whole episode is a metaphor or or Cotra is a whole metaphor for this episode. Done. Check it off the list. Well done. It's like the dollhouse I noticed last week. Cool. Mm. And then they bring it up and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they made it. They made the subtext text. Eh great. Well, what to double down. So much for that. And then they mentioned it like 15 more times, and I got so angry that they that they couldn't just let the metaphor work on its own. They had to make sure to, to mention it every chance they could of Oh, you know O'Brien, you're
0: it's like you're playing Cotra with me. Oh, I've snagged another one of your guys like in Cotra. The only way it could have been less subtle would have been if O'Brien, dis- like, was able to disable him by smacking him in the face with a kotra board. It was <laughs> too much. Like, <laughs> I also... the subtext is now fucking supertext. Yes!
3: <laughs> I noticed, like, uh, I, like you know, O'Brien serves an interesting role in this episode because he's an engineer, but he used to be a soldier, so he's kind of balancing both, even though he really doesn't seem to like thinking about having been a soldier. Mm. And when he walks by a Kotra board, because there's like 50,000 Kotra boards on this station, he walks by one and flips it over. I'm like, ah, that's how O'Brien would play Kotra. And then later when he blows something up, I'm like, oh, yeah,
0: that's that's how he played Kotra. <laughs> yep. Too much, though. Way too mm. much of the Kotra.
1: So much Kotra. Well, I, I
0: thought said that he knocked over that Kotra board because it was the one that Garrick had allegedly been fucking with. And that was right after uh, Nog was taken, No.
1: I assumed it was the same one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's the same one. I just, I don't. I think he just flipped it over because he was frustrated. at
0: Yeah, I, that's what I thought too. I don't know. I. Uh, but he was also your his, move,
3: O'Brien.
1: Sick of the metaphor.
0: Too yeah, much I, metaphor.
1: I was saying recently, it may have been on just an earlier episode, but I may, I was saying to somebody like, "My God, can we just please pass a law that no one is allowed to use chess as a metaphor between enemies ever again? It's overdone.
3: It is." It's lazy. It becomes lazy after a while, too. Like, writers are very specific when they're including details in their work. Mm. Like, any time that they mention something that's, like, reminiscent of the thing that's going to be the theme of the episode, you're like, ah, they did that on purpose. I get it. But this one, it's like, let's do it on purpose, and then keep doing it. And then keep doing it, because we think you're stupid.
0: Being fair, the average person... Maybe wouldn't get it without being. Well, they
3: don't have to get it. They just have to kind of. You feel it more than you get it sometimes. That's
0: true. Yeah.
1: I was half expecting like there to be this lesson where somehow Nog esque actions end up saving the day, but no. Oh no! Just poor Nog.
2: Just straight aggression. Yeah,
3: because well, I mean, I, I, really guess, I guess of- I guess
2: setting the setting the trap the way he did was clever.
3: O'Brien's oh, trap. Oh, yeah, no, it was
1: definitely clever, but it wasn't, like... Because the whole thing with Nog's strategy had been sort of, you know, regroup and protect.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, which, is, which seems very Ferengi. Yeah. You keep... Like, he. we learn... Not this episode, but the following episode. He keeps all his money under his bed. He's an idiot. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, you kind of figure, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you protect the one thing that you really want. But, yeah, the thing I was reading about this episode is that Andrew Robinson wasn't really a fan of his portrayal this episode, and I think a lot of it is because he's been, he'd, for years, for like 20-something years, he'd been trying to distance himself from the Andrew Rob- Robinson plays serial killers yeah. typecasting, thinking it was, it was just way too uh, Scorpio in Dirty Harry. Mm. Did
0: he play a lot of serial killers? He at least played that one, and that was a very... Yeah,
2: it was a
1: pretty iconic... Yeah, to put him on the map. From which... Dirty Harry, the first one I've
0: never seen
3: it, ah, so oh, Jake and I watched it up. the other night mm-hmm. because I said i want to know, I want to know what Andrew Robinson is referring to because I'd never seen Dirty Harry. I don't care for it.
1: It is very much a like boomer wet dream. Uh, there's more laws to protect criminals than there are people uh, yeah. thing well,
2: you know, you a good cop is one that just runs around and fires wildly into crowds
1: yeah I saw it for the first time a few years ago myself and yeah I was similarly unimpressed
3: yeah I just on. got Sorry. distracted by all the plot holes but no apparently it was also very controversial at the time and it's apparently like in the early 2000s it made its resurgence basically which seems I backwards Why? To me. But yeah, at the time they were like, wow, police brutality is bad. And now today it's like, we love this movie. It's a classic.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, early 2000s, I can see why people were suddenly on a, uh, into this
2: yeah, right wing lunatic. a cop worship at the time. Yeah. yeah,
3: but also, like, I just didn't understand Andrew Robinson's character Scorpio in the movie. In this episode, you, like, you at least kind of see he's planning things, he's using strategy. He's very Cardassian about the whole thing, whilst yeah. in... Dirty Harry. There didn't ever seem to be method to his madness.
1: Mm. I haven't I mean, seen it in a while, so I don't remember a lot of the
2: finer points. I mean, he was a, just a crazed killer character. You know, he was kind of. I feel like the character is kind of supposed to be modeled off of Zodiac.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Scorpio. You know, it Zodiac. takes place in
2: San Francisco as well, so it's not exactly subtle. But like, I feel. I feel like they made him too crazy. Is Scorpio really or Garrick? S- Scorpio. Okay, yeah. Like he just did crazy off the wall shit. Also, every cop except for um Harry. Harry was completely incompetent.
0: <laughs> that tracks. You know?
2: Like ha- and even Harry, like they lose him, they like have him so many times during that film. And then like he just runs away. There's no strategy. Mm. Like they knew like there's this one scene where they're like, "Okay, we have a good feeling that he's going to go to this exact rooftop and try to assassinate somebody with a rifle from this exact rooftop. So we'll set up on an adjacent rooftop and then shoot him when he's up there. But they didn't like put anybody, you know, Uh, near the the building. Yeah, like there was no plan B. And of course, they failed to shoot him and he got away.
1: Well. I actually thought again I'm not remembering very Harry well but I did enjoy what Robinson did in this. Um
3: His hair was pretty. He had very yeah. pretty hair.
1: Well, I think he sort of, you know, he he um built well, like you could sort of see the gradual increase to the crazy until by the end he's just completely nuts. So you going your
2: Impoc nor?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Sorry, yes, and then Pac-Noor, Uh I think he did a good, you know, I mean, uh, I think he did a fine job, even if he wasn't pleased, I guess is what I'm saying, because he, yeah. he ramped it up in a nice gradual way, you know, he didn't go from, like, zero to, woo! Like, you can see the stages building up.
3: Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but just knowing that when, when Andy Robinson saw the script, the, fir- the first script, and was like, oh, no. Oh, uh-huh. no, not this. But a later draft, I guess he said, was better. mm like, they actually built on the O'Brien-Garrick. Because the two of them, they don't talk an awful lot. No. They, they they have kind of Julian in the middle of them, so they don't yes. talk an awful lot. But you kind of see, like, yeah, there's a weird tension between them, and not just because of Julian, but that's it's kind of interesting, and they built you could that, which that is say that
2: cool. they form an Eiffel Tower relationship. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I
3: was just going to say, it makes
0: sense. You don't really want your wife going shopping with your mistress. I don't know who is who in this case. Oh, my. I do like that they talked about Julian a bunch. And then, like, you know, Garrick's like, oh, Dr. Bashir, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, man, the audacity of this bitch to bring him up. How (laughs) dare you?
1: (laughs) Isn't there a Seinfeld where um, George and Elaine somehow end up alone together at the diner? And they realize they've, like... Never had to have a conversation without Jerry there, so they have no idea how to talk to each other.
0: I mean, that sounds right because I can't imagine anyone else willfully being friends with George. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's like true. neither of them. Or they, willingly, I should like, say. Like they
1: realize the only connection between the two of them is Jerry, and they're just like, "Uh, hi." Yeah, uh, I think
3: you've, I mean, Jerry I think really is before. the
2: like Jerry is. The the carbon rod moderator in that reaction, right? Because everybody is connected to Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Even Kramer, like he's just Jerry's neighbor. Yeah.
3: All hail inanimate carbon rod. <laughs> uh, but I Wait. also read that it originally wasn't O'Brien in the story. Originally, it was Worf, and that probably would have been stupid because yeah, like like then it would just be Two warrior wild stuff. Animals. Versus strategist stuff, which isn't yeah. very interesting to me. And I like I engineer know. versus strategist. That was cool.
1: Yeah, one well, Wharf, like you know, they kind of we already got to see sort of a weird Wharf Garrick pairing a few weeks ago. Um, mm, with that's true
2: when they with, went on their little road trip. Yeah,
1: and that was I mean that was nice in that one, but it's like I because you know O'Brien has the whole history with the Cardassian War thing, which you know again like like clearly these aren't two men who sit down and talk much at all if ever. And I think there probably is, even without the drugs in him, a part of Garrick that kind of would like to either pick- Julian
3: all to himself.
1: Yeah, would like to either pick O'Brien's brain about it, or at least maybe wheedle him about it a little. Yeah, Um, he's a wheedler. Yeah, compare notes. And it's like, you know, this is, again, probably one of the first times they've been, like, thrown together like this. And it is evident immediately that the chief doesn't want to talk about the war.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's something that he has clearly tried to eschew- a lot um,
3: he doesn't even want to play Cotra, No, except that he
2: I find it really interesting that you know that that O'Brien like we already knew that O'Brien was on set three and there was an incident but I the way it's presented here is like oh O'Brien whatever Brian, O'Brien did on set three was a big enough deal that like he's he's known he's a known person yeah you know and he's known for you know the as the hero of Settlec 3 or whatever uh which you know was probably just some hyperbole that that Garrick threw in mm. but it i feel like whatever O'Brien did on Settlec 3 was perhaps downplayed previously mm. and that you know there it might have been more massacre like
3: yeah yeah oh yikes is, I mean, is
2: like how how many Cardis did you kill or what you know
1: so yeah like, he Ooh. says i
3: lost counter what did he say something like that
2: he didn't keep track oh.
3: just kind which
1: of hard. means sorry go, go ahead. ahead no no go ahead so, which means he totally knows how many he killed
0: oh god they yeah, he's got in his notches dreams. it's just kind of hard to imagine someone who gets killed so frequently being the hero of any <laughs> battle <laughs> that's true <laughs> like
2: well, he just used up all nine of his lives doing no. that. No, so. no, you know what it is. He's a Highlander. There you go. He's,
0: He's not the Scottish.
1: one. They don't. They don't have to be Scottish, despite the name of the films. And what it is is the one you follow in the movies is a Scotsman. Um, I don't think the whole. That's why it's the Highlander. Well, he that's is... true, actually. Highlander uh... isn't a name for like the immortals.
0: Oh, is it? Isn't?
1: I don't think so. Oh, okay. Liz <laughs> could explain. Ask her later. I
0: will. Damn it! Why isn't Liz here? We. <laughs> Because this isn't a Highlander podcast.
2: Um,
0: no, there already is one of those.
2: I was also kind of feeling like, in light of what we learned sort of tangentially about the, the Setlik 3 thing, it makes it even more baffling to me that O'Brien was assigned to Deep Space Nine in the first place.
3: Why is that? Well, just is it because... Because of, because of all the Cardassians he'd have yeah, to Yeah, because
2: you know he's going to have to deal with Cardassians. And it, it almost feels like... I don't know who assigned him there if it was Picard himself or some, you know, some other somebody else. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a little like, huh, fuck the Cardassians. We'll put we'll put the butcher of Setlik 3 on their fucking station and see how they like that.
1: I could see some admiral pulling that as like a power move. Mm.
0: Well, especially because like we've been led to believe from Jellico that power moves are the way you have to deal with Cardi's, right? That's true.
3: I mean, Garrick. this whole episode is just full of power moves and I fucking loved him. Like, (laughs) he was in that cryo chamber to surprise a different Cardassian and murder the fuck out of him. I was like, yeah, yeah, great job! Maybe you should have been my security officer.
0: I feel like in a lot of ways it it wound up feeling kind of like a James Bond film to me, especially because I feel like everyone had something fun to say before they shot and killed. Mm. Like, he said something, what was it, he was like, looking for me pew. and o- O'Brien of course was like I'm an engineer you know like I just feel like everyone had their little James Bond sign off Oh my lines. god when and when I enjoyed it
3: O'Brien and he meet in the promenade and O'Brien says "We said we said no guns Garrick I can't do it O'Brien I'm not going to try we said no guns, and Garrick looks down
0: and says, "Oh, how did this get here?" And I was like, "God, you're so goddamn." Yeah, cute that's I a can't very see. Yeah, I was Garrick like, line. Garrick was a, was exceptionally attractive this episode, and I think it's because the sassometer got just dialed way up. I liked it. And I did
3: get confused every time they said flux coupler and thought they were saying flux which mm.
0: isn't a thing. A, <laughs> flux capacitor.
1: A flux coupler sounds like it would be like some sort of alien crab. <laughs>
0: That's
2: right. It's scuffles. Snap, snap. Yeah. Uh, I, I also don't want to wanna, don't want to uh miss it, but like so the the other four crew that they bring with them who all die. Yeah. Um, yep. I actually really liked them in this episode. I liked their interactions. Yeah, it was a little it, bit lower
3: decks that way.
2: It was a little lower decks, and it was like it was like lower decks meets
3: lower uh, decks the Horizon or not something. The series.
2: You know, like. Yeah, Like, the, you know they're just the cannon fodder in the oh, horror yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. And the killer is going to get them. I felt and I mean, so
3: bad for the Bolian. He seemed mm. so scared, and he just kind of knew, like, I'm here to die. And he Damn got, it. like,
2: stomped on. Like, yeah, he,
1: crushed he, he, by he, a door. But, Oh, you know, Caitlin saw them and was like, oh, they're fucked.
0: Yeah. yeah well, yeah, and yeah. it was such a bummer, too, because like you said, Ames, it felt very lower decks, like the episode. And I was like, oh, at first I was like... I had these two feelings very quickly. My first feeling was, oh, cool, we're going to see how the other half live. Mm. And then I was like, oh, we're and how, see they how they die. die. Shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah." I had, the, it was like, it was a very like roller coastery moment because I was excited. And then I was like, oh no, you're all fucked.
3: <clears throat> yeah. Pachetti interested me. He was the engineer who was like really into Cardassian artifacts. And I said, "How is? how do you become as a human being on Deep Space Nine in the middle of all these wars and shit? infatuated with, like, Cardassian trinkets. Well, there's probably I mean,
0: shit all over Deep Space Nine. It probably started with him, like, finding bits and bobs or noticing artwork or architecture.
1: Well, we don't know that it's... How do,
0: we, how do we covet? We covet the things we see every day.
1: Oh. But I was gonna say, we also don't know that it's necessarily just Cardassian stuff, but it's just this. The, he'd specifically be looking for Cardassian doodahs, because it's a Cardassian station.
2: Yeah, he might just be... Yeah, like, into military
3: collectibles. Yeah, or whatever. he he thinks he's Indiana Jones or something. He's yeah. just
0: listen. Speaking as someone who gets closer and closer to being a hoarder every day, he's probably <laughs> just a garden variety hoarder. Aww.
1: But yeah, you know, back in his quarters, there's like you know a bunch of old Starfleet badges and itic, some Klingon stuff, some
2: Cardassian stuff, a got swastika. A wheat or wheat two. I was gonna say there's gonna be, there's gonna be some Nazi shit in there, right? Oh
0: no, probably got- gifted to him by Spock. He's got That's all right. these Willie Mays baseball cards. So yeah. many. Hey. Billy Mays here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Billy <What's> Mays. <laughs> oh, rest um,
0: in peace, Billy Mays. Yeah, I, yeah, I not know.
2: I like, I like, I like that they put little touches on these characters. You know, like particularly Pachetti, because not only do we get that part, we also like he's also really jazzed about going on this mission because you know he gets to carry a phaser, which you know, and <laughs> as yeah. an engineer. He doesn't get to do. And then we see the two security officers that are kind of kind of douchey, mm. you know, and they're like, huh, let the professionals handle it. And then they, they, they die then,
0: first.
2: You know, um, it was one the, and one
0: and then one and one. Oh, OK. Because yeah. I was going to say, I know that the, the late the lady, uh, I think, I think,
1: is
2: it
0: Pachetti that off? dies first?
1: So Pacetti gets yanked through the window and is killed off camera. Around the same time that
0: yeah, does the woman is thrown off, off, the off of the, off the,
2: the promenade.
0: I was yeah. so sad. I was like, with her especially, I was just like, all right, maybe maybe they won't all die. Do- Up oh, there she goes. Shit. Oh, whoops. I did also read. So there's
3: a, the, the scene where we're just listening to Amaro talking with Bokta. And yeah. Amaro's just telling an old story about, oh, it's so sad that Stalls Off is dead. You know, she and I used to play game or something or other together and all we used thing. to play kotra yeah basically this whole episode is kotra by the way if anyone hasn't picked up the subtext it's text now
0: you know it's weird though she used to try to win by falling off a balcony and i just <laughs> that's a weird strategy <laughs> for kotra yeah, perfect, you, can,
1: you kind of half hear it because it's like sort of background but if you listen because yeah i tried to pay attention to as much of it as i could
3: yeah that whole section was not written to be heard like, they, they wrote it as just, you know, background noise that they thought wouldn't be picked up as just, like, mumbles and shit. Mm. And then when they listened to it, um, and they realized, oh, Amaro calls the Cardassians Spoonheads. Yep. And we're not, if we had had this in the script, because it wasn't in the script. It's just, you know, supposed to be filler stuff that shouldn't have been heard. And they were considering, like, do we cut it because we don't want Starfleet. People using racial slurs, but they kept it in anyway, and it's... like they have
0: all the time.
2: Yeah, but and that plus that guy is kind of portrayed as a douchebag to be with. I mean, that's with.
0: fair. And his friend just died. Well, Miles O'Brien is like everybody's favorite thing, and he's racist against everybody. Why but they he hasn't about used, he 51? hasn't called
3: he hasn't called them spoonheads though on the show, in, in his spare time probably.
0: We've never heard him. He called them so. a spoonhead in TNG, didn't he? No?
2: I don't think so. I think he just calls them Cardies.
0: Yeah, oh, we don't thought, hear uh. we don't hear
3: anyone say Spoonhead until that episode. I want to say things past. Oh, okay, I um, thought, all right. When we see Odo in the past. Mm. But yeah, it's but a You never, you never
2: want to play a game of charades with him because uh, just, it just goes off the rails. Wait, what? <laughs>
1: with it's, who? Just a, Odo? He just holds a
2: spoon up to his
1: forehead. Oh, <sighs> Actually, yes, though. Sh- like, Odo could cheat the hell out of charades.
0: Ah, true.
1: true. Constable, you can't just turn into the item.
0: Well, but, but know, it would still be difficult to explain concepts or like film titles. Yeah, that's, that's the true. whole point like, of charades. Well, no, but I'm saying I know it is, but we we were joking because it would be difficult to do He can just turn him himself into the it.
2: DVD box art.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. Damn it.
1: I like the idea of him turning into DVD box art, but any character faces are replaced by his.
0: Nah. <laughs> it's the usual suspects, but it, he's everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Boy, I was going to say that, but again, that was, you know, even though it wasn't meant to be heard. It was some interesting little character stuff, again, like him and the other security person went way back. They were sparring partners, you know, just all this interesting little these details that, you know, again, usually background doomed characters don't get. hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I also thought like having that conversation heard added a really eerie element to that scene. Because, it did. You know, we we just see, um, you know, we Garak, see Garrick yeah. who's ostensibly stalking the other Cardassian. Hot. And then we find out, well, he's not just stalking the other Cardassian; he's stalking everybody. The everybody. <laughs> and like the scene, like the moment when he just stabs that dude, was just like, holy shit.
3: My God, when he hangs up the bodies all over the promenade. Yeah. It was like some haunted house kind of shit.
1: Yeah, it's some uh, heavy-duty psychological warfare. Yeah,
2: intimidation.
3: Yeah.
1: Some really good dramatic lighting in this episode, too, which you don't always get to see, because especially back in the day, they had to generally light television shows so brightly.
3: Mm. Well, this was also like... TVs it's, worked turned into a horror show. Yep. But also it's it's them kind of... Hiding that it's just DS9 without all the stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which, I mean, that's fine. Of course, they would have more than one station of the same class. I mean, I feel like every deep space with the exception of DS9 is probably
2: just the same structure, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm a just little surprised know. they didn't dress it up to look more like Teroknor, though. Well, this one
1: maybe wasn't used as a slave labor camp.
2: No, well, maybe. I mean, presumably it was still some kind of a mining operation, though, because I'm guessing that that's what those stations.
0: The interiors are could be modular, for. maybe. I want to know where all of Deep Space Nine's cotter boards went. Like, is there just a <laughs> like a shuttle bay that's full of the fucking things? Absolutely.
1: That's what's in Upper Pylon Three. Just all it's- the.
0: It's like uh, the landfill of Atari E.T. copies, except it's just shitloads of Katra.
1: Yep. Katra
0: sounds too much like Contra, also, by the way, which Mm. is a video game.
2: I liked the mummified... uh, Oh, yeah, that was cool. Oh,
0: I loved seeing the skull. It was great.
3: Yeah, this episode also reminded me a little bit of uh, The Emissary. Not Emissary, but The Emissary. Fuck you, Star Trek. Which Um, one was that again? That's the one where we first meet Kalar... Ah, and right. We're right, going. Right. We're going to see. Like, I guess there was a Klingon ship where there were some people in cryo who were about to wake up, and they realized, "Fuck! If they wake up, they'll freak out and still think we're at war. We have right. to get to them first.
1: Right, right. I forgot that was Russian the reason they needed Russian intelligence?
0: Here. Are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> the Cold War is over. What is that from?
3: Austin, Austin Powers. Powers. Oh Christ. Why does it always come back to
0: Austin Powers? Because it's a fucking great question. movie. Um. Yeah, really. Actually, what it is is I've just been cherry-picking things to discuss a couple <laughs> of weeks in a row to make it feel like uh, we're still recording two episodes a day. <laughs> ah. Get some of that old feel
3: back. Yeah. Are we ready to move on from board games to card games? Guys, yeah. ah, you did there. From did card- it. From Cardi games sure. to card games to cards. Sure. That's good too, I like
2: that. All right. Chris well, has his
3: choice of titles for this week. It's true. No, you
2: already in, have one, in, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But was,
3: kidding.
0: Oh. What was Anywho, it who? No, we'll tell uh, you when we get yeah, to Yeah, in it. our next oh, episode. Christ.
2: In our next episode that we'll be discussing this week is in the cards. Everyone's a little down on the station. Everyone's oh. feeling a little sad for different reasons, but mostly it's just stress and Bullshit.
0: Dominion people killing Dominion, us.
2: Dominion. There's a war going on.
0: Nothing that anybody listening to this now could possibly relate to.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, in any case, Jake recognizes that, uh, man, my dad's been, been pretty down. I should do something to cheer him up. Well, it just so happens that Quark is host- hosting an auction, and one of the items is a chest containing, among other collectibles, a 1951 Willie Mays rookie baseball card rookie from, OxyClean card from yes yeah i, I want them to so i want somebody to edit this this episode to make it about a billy Mays collectible
0: oh god uh, uh, you're the one now. that could do it i mean
2: but anywho so he says oh you know i'll win it but you know because i'm in starfleet i don't have or you know not he's not in starfleet but because i'm human and uh we're you know we're big socialists uh i don't <laughs> have any money so nog can i have some of your money and all of he, your money yeah, all of your money, basically, and he talks Nog into bankrolling this project. So they go to the auction and they are outbid by some random dude. And they're like, "Hmm, well, maybe we can make a deal with that dude to buy the card off of him directly." And then you know they they meet the guy, and turns out he's this kooky inventor who believes that you only die because your cells get bored.
3: Cellular ennui, he calls yeah. it. Mm-hmm.
2: But he's invented a, a contraption to prevent that.
3: It's Netflix uh, for yourselves. Yeah. yeah.
2: And of course, uh, you know, Jake and, and Nog are like, man, this guy's nuts. And he's like, but listen, I will give you the card uh, for free. But you need to help me get all this, you know, some equipment. That's To, help not com- free. to complete my project. That's a trade. And, yeah. And uh, so Jake and Nog reluctantly agree. Then they go on this, you know, this fetch quest. Around the ship, it's exactly get, what I was thinking to yeah. get all this stuff, and you know, no
3: self sealing stem bolts.
2: Yeah, I thought of that as well. But each, so each person that they need to get something from, you know, they do something nice for that person. So, like, you know, O'Brien, they they need something from O'Brien, and they're like, "Listen, we'll finish this work for you, so you can go have some time off in the holodeck." And you know, they go and they steal back Bashir's teddy bear from Lita. And make him happy, they fix up uh Worf's Klingon opera recordings to remove this the noise and Jake writes a funny speech for Kira to give so basically they've done nice things for people and then they get the parts that they need to give to uh the the good doctor Meanwhile, in the B plot Kai Wynn is aboard and she's there to do uh to do a dirty she's there to to create you know to try and get into a Non-aggression pact with the Dominion, and um, you know Cisco, who just you know a month ago was telling the Bajorans, "Don't join the Federation." You know, just gets this surprised Pikachu face when she's like, "Yeah, well, the Federation <laughs> isn't going to defend us, so uh, we might need to explore other options." That's the perfect
3: <laughs> way to phrase that, Jake.
2: <laughs> so, uh, so Wayun shows up and uh, has you know productive uh, discussions with with the good Kai. And uh, like for once kai Winn isn't a, isn't a total bitch. Yeah, no, um, she's
1: genuinely like what do I fucking do here? Yeah, it's yeah, like
3: what's best for my Cisco? People?
2: This is your fucking fault, asshole.
1: Uh
3: um, is doomed no matter what. I yeah,
2: mean, we oh, might have yeah. to True. accept that. Yeah, but anyway, the the plots meet interestingly enough Yeah, <laughs> because Wei-Yoon can hear the machines that the that the good doctors working on and uh kidnaps him and takes all of his stuff and he's convinced that he it's some sort of uh that he was lured to Deep Space Nine by Kai Wynn to do some kind of something to to hurt him. We don't know what, but uh, he kidnaps Jake and Nog and uh, is like, "Hey, I know that you that you know this was all a setup by Cisco to fuck with me. Uh, you know, I know what you've been doing. So just just come clean and tell me." And you know, Jake for some reason makes up this ridiculous story about He's a how. A writer,
3: of course, he would.
2: Willie Mays is a is a time traveler from the future, and they were going back in time, and they were trying to get the baseball card to. To try and find him and stop him from Mm. destroying the space time Mm. continuum. Wayne isn't picking that up, but Mm. eventually he's like, he listens to the story about the cellular boredom and he's like, hmm, that sounds interesting. I'd like to subscribe to your newsletter. Yeah.
3: Match Uh, made in heaven. The two of these
2: guys. The conclusion of the episode really is uh, they get the baseball card and make Cisco happy. Everybody else is happy because Jake and Nog kind of did stuff for them. And the Doctor and Wayoon are beginning a romantic uh They're endeavor. the happiest. Yes. Yeah. Uh so really the the point is this this kind of silly plot was really just a roundabout way of cheering everybody up. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And also like, giving us a bottle episode because it's the end of the season and we're out of money.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we get we get like two of our favorite guest stars, which is nice.
3: Yeah. Win and Wayoon. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. It sounds like a real win-win. Yeah. So maybe 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 yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I guess the writers wanted to do another scene with the two of them together, but ran out of time.
2: Yeah. Mm. going to say, it would have it been nice for them to have more. I like. I loved their their interaction that they had, where she feels his paw, mm. and she's like, "We're nothing alike," but she says it in in the classic Kai way, where it's like, it's friendly and nice, and you know, she's she's gutting you with a smile, mm. but you're on her side this time.
3: Yeah, Are we? I don't know. The thing is, there isn't really a side. Because I mean, we know, we know, why, a, I mean, why is this her responsibility to make this agreement with the Dominion and not Shakar's? was my question. Have
0: you seen Shakar? He tried to handle it, but he sent a note that was like, dear Dominion, do you like me? Check yes or no. <laughs> no I love it. No,
2: Shakar, you know, he sent out a thing to the Dominion that was like, because of bad press Kofifi. <laughs> I mean, I think because the
1: Dominion knows that at the end of the day, the Bajorans are more loyal to their religion than they are to political factions. Mm. Plus, they probably figure in the long run, if they can seduce anyone to their side with promises of things, it's her.
2: Yeah, and she was also the one that negotiated the deal. Uh well, she was in, instrumental, I should say. She didn't negotiate the whole deal. She worked with uh,
3: brainless Beryl? The the
2: yeah, brainless Beryl. Yeah, Burial, um, yeah. to negotiate with the Cardassians. So. That's true.
1: Yeah,
3: but she wasn't supposed to. Brial was supposed to.
2: Yeah,
1: that was kind of but even then. He's a Beryl's, again a religious figure though, not a member oh, of the fair. government.
3: Fair, fair, fair.
2: But but also. You know, she, she took all of the credit for that. Yes. And that, you know, that was kind of the whole point there. So maybe now she's viewed as this as a statesman, you know, yeah. someone that you send to go do your your negotiating with foreign what, governments.
1: What I kinda of loved about this episode was the fact that like in theory, the stuff about Bajor and where they stand with the Dominion is really the much, much more important thing but it's the b plot to these wacky delightful card shenanigans.
3: Yeah, they specifically flipped it on its head. And the thing is like I also feel like it's a good it's a good balance, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting to feel like I want to see more of the b plot, but I feel like the b plot we got just enough. Mm. And that the the it, they the two didn't clash like they probably should have in a, in a less good writer's hand. It would have clashed and not felt right. It would have felt like was it last week? No, a couple weeks ago when Eddington dies. And then we go back and watch Ferengi bullshit and I was like punched in the face by that. Mm. But I felt like these actually worked together in a way that wasn't distracting.
1: Well, the fact that they dovetailed, which was the last thing I expected.
3: <laughs> Baby was, with a gun.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, well, this just got extra special wacky. and yeah, I did love that, you know, Jake tells the truth. They don't believe him. He tells the world's dumbest lie and they're like,
3: the world's best short story.
1: Yeah. They're like, never mind. You were telling the truth the first time, weren't you? Because that's just insane. Aw.
3: Mm. Yeah, by, I'm going to uh, surprise you all and say, I actually mostly liked this one, which I wasn't expecting to because it is quite what? silly. I Jake, know.
2: Jake, Ames has been replaced by a pod person. I I think you might be right.
3: Pod people. Well, but no,
2: I I actually understand that just just because this this episode, while it is certainly a light episode in terms of the tone and there's some silly stuff. It's not, a couple
3: stupid stuff, but... Yeah, there's
2: some really stupid stuff, but it's also... It's not really... It's not done in a way that makes you do a lot of cringing yeah, or... Awesome. No, you know that's is? true.
3: You know what it is? It's it's so earnest. Yeah. It it does, because A, Jake is doing this for the purest reasons, and Nog is, like, the most supportive friend, and it's the yeah. sweetest thing to watch them do these very nice things, To watch, like, the brief ending montage of everyone having a nice day? Maybe it's just that we kind of need this
0: kind of thing in our lives right now. Maybe. Everyone's
2: having a nice day except Lita.
0: Yeah, but honestly, fuck her. How are you going to keep somebody's childhood teddy bear? Yeah, I know. Why didn't they just ask her? Lita's a nice lady. She would have just given it back. A nice lady would not have kept someone's childhood teddy bear. She didn't know. Brashear gave it to her. No, I thought he said she, she borrowed it. it. She borrowed it because she thought it was cute. Well,
3: but he, he never asked he for it up. back. I if don't he had know. just asked for it back, I'm certain she would have given it to him. Well no, well, especially never since get their
2: since like their breakup was let's go on a sex vacation. Yeah, yeah. it was very
3: amicable.
0: Yeah, but very. at the end she was kind of not <laughs> as nice to him because she was kind of like, Well, I'm glad I don't have to keep pretending to give a shit about you. I love Rom.
1: That that was my thought. Like, Just ask your dad to get it
2: for you.
0: Ooh, that could have
1: worked.
2: What if if Nog had snuck in and and Lita and Rom were plowing? The fact that Nog
3: can just sneak in, period, freaked me out. Like, he just crawls into the room, steals the teddy bear, crawls out. And I'm like, you can do that in anyone's room in DS9?
0: I don't like this. I was also disturbed by that. I mean,
2: it might be because, you know, as... Well, a couple things we know about Nog. Number one... When we're introduced to him, it's because he's stealing, stealing and like lockpicking and sneaking into places he shouldn't be on the station. Mm. Um, So he already knows how to get into places. And now he's also as a Starfleet cadet and, you know, having worked on the engineering team, um, probably has even more access than he did as a kid.
1: Yeah,
3: it's still
0: weird. I do
1: like that. This is the first time we've seen that the chief has gone kayaking and not fucked something up.
0: Yeah, he ah. comes back uninjured.
1: You're like he walks out of the holodeck and is—he's not going straight to the infirmary. He's like, oh, kayaking.
2: Yeah, see, everyone thought he gets all day. suited nice up in day. his his wetsuit and stuff too. Yeah, is that again, Jake? He, gets, he got all suited up uh, in like you know the, the full wetsuit. So he he takes it seriously. S-
0: something for the ladies. Oh. Am I right? So does I like anyone- the teddy bear.
1: Does anyone else think that a derelict ship was maybe uh, on its way to see Kivas Fajo when it got fucked up?
0: Derelict ship? Yeah. What do you derelict
1: ship? The the stuff for the auction came from a derelict ship oh. the Bajorans found.
0: Oh, that's a that's a good uh, headcanon. Is cannon. that the is that the person who wanted data? Yep. Yeah. who kidnapped um, yeah, data? Well,
1: and he already guy. had. I looked it up. A different. Oh, I forgotten that, but he had a different baseball card.
3: Aha. Uh-huh.
1: Which I was reminded of because. Geiger mentions, you know, uh, without its original packaging or bait or bubblegum, bubble gum. <laughs> because Faggio talks about how he went out of his way to recreate the scent of bubblegum. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, some or all of that was en route to him before whatever went wrong went wrong.
2: Can you imagine how horrible 400-year-old bubblegum would be?
0: It'd probably just break your teeth. Like, yeah, I like... like-
2: Actually, if it's like if it's anything like the bubblegum that usually comes in baseball cards, not much different. It would probably be exactly the same.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said, you probably break your teeth. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. um, I want to know why that Kai wanted that shit so bad, or whatever he was. Or the Ve- the Vedic. Yeah, yeah, Vedic. Sorry. sorry well, there yes. was other
2: stuff in the chest. Yeah, there was there was some Bajoran artifact in. There.
1: Yeah, Jake mentioned there was some Bajoran. Th- I really what I want is why Geiger wanted it so bad. Because it was never plain what his main interest
2: was.
0: True. Yeah, what I, was, I does anybody joked. remember what
2: the other stuff was in the chest?
0: Well, I there was, yeah, like you said, there was the Bajoran artifact.
2: The card, like the Vulcan
1: chest thing. itself. Yeah, Vulcan something. The chest itself
0: was very attractive.
2: I'm thinking it might have been the Vulcan thing because yeah, that could be science-y. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like
0: them.
3: What I Yeah, that's I, the kind of weird thing when you sell a pack of things that don't go together at all. And everyone just wants one thing from the pack. It's like you could have just broken this up, Quark.
2: I love yeah. that Morn bought like a black velvet painting.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it was very hard to source a black velvet painting because everyone was like, "Oh yeah, we'll just go grab one at the store."
0: Oh, there's like none.
2: Just go. Just I'm sure they could have got it from the Museum of Bad Art. In, what is uh, a in black
0: velvet painting? I don't think I noticed it.
2: So it's 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 a it's a notoriously tacky. Yeah. Like it's 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 a painting. But instead of painting on like a regular canvas, you paint on a, you know, it's stretched around as a canvas, but it's it's black velvet fabric, and the traditional art that you would paint on black velvet is a portrait of Elvis,
3: <laughs> hence
2: the Velvet Elvis.
0: Really, yeah, I
3: guess one of the writers yep. had a Velvet Elvis, and they wanted to use it, and said, and said "No, this isn't going to make any sense in the but show." It's,
2: it's like it's classic. Like it is, it is the gaudy. It is the epitome of tacky art, and 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 I, I know that I don't know they're, they're just not at the Somerville Theater anymore. But I, I don't know what the, what the deal is with the Museum of Bad Art. But they used to have several Velvet Elvises.
0: Sounds right. Well, and listen, ooh, I'm shoot. not I'm not saying that you've just given me my next uh, crafting project idea, but Do I it. am taking notes.
1: <laughs> i have actually in trying to find examples to show Caitlin. I found a couple of different ones of Matadors.
0: Ooh. Which I think
1: is what Morn had gotten. I thought it it might have been a Matador. Yeah, it
2: kind of looked like that. I didn't notice what it was a painting of.
1: Like, I actually have a photo here that I think maybe it's a stock photo, but it might actually be specifically the one he
2: got.
3: I don't know. I know they had to rent it because they Mm. just couldn't find a black velvet um, painting.
2: That seems insane to me that they weren't able to find one. Yeah, like anywhere in Los Angeles. I I guess, like, the internet wasn't really big yet, so you know you couldn't exactly just go onto a form and be like hey anybody got an elvis yeah,
1: yeah. i guess but you just feel like again it's 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 la it's the mid 90s i feel like you could go to any like shitty little junker thrift shop and find something
3: yeah they did have to find a company that creates replica baseball cards which is mm. a thing people do evidently to Fair make enough. the willie may's card uh, i guess the actual card is valued at something at the time i don't know what it is today but at the time was valued at something like $20,000.
1: Jesus Christmas.
0: Wow. That sounds like about five bars of (laughs) (laughs) platinum. So I actually was going to ask, because I'm a nerd, do we know, like, because there's strips and bars and what's the other thing? Slips, strips, and bars. So slip is the smallest. I believe so. Then strips, then bars. And we know from the auction... That there's more than twenty five. That's actually
3: inconsistent.
0: Strips in a brick or whatever yeah. the fuck. They f-
3: they fucked it up in this episode because it, I think it's supposed to be twenty strips per bar or the other way around. I forget which is which. Whatever they were using, they actually got the math wrong. Huh. Okay. And they blame Quark. They say, oh, mm. Quark, he's just trying to make an extra buck."
2: Hmm. Or maybe maybe the maybe it's not a, a uh, a fixed thing. Maybe the
3: oh,
0: maybe like there's it, it changes based on like the market that day. Yeah, maybe there's thing.
2: an exchange rate between the because because a, a strip, a slip, and a bar are different physical mm-hmm. things. So unlike you know, like with gold, it's priced by the ounce, and it's you know made into bars and different you know and coins and things like that. And it, but it's still it's still sold by weight, mm-hmm. right? But with um with gold price latinum maybe you know maybe with the the fluctuations in the latinum price or the latinum content you know who knows i don't know they so par-
1: apparently in 2007 that willie Mays card sold at auction for
3: $93,000 to nog damn <laughs> I now i say, wonder though to avery brooks <laughs> That'd be brilliant.
2: I wonder, though, how much the prop card used on Star Trek Deep Space Nine would sell for at auction.
0: Mm. Mm. $92, Ninety two
3: thousand
2: dollars.
0: Ninety dollars.
3: Yeah. Somewhere on it, it like says like this is a fake or something.
1: Well, I'd imagine, you know, you could probably maybe they kept it in the like.
0: Oh, yeah. The little uh, display unit that it was. Yeah,
1: in. they built with for it. How
0: much bubble gum does it come with?
1: None. Remember, he said it didn't have any.
2: Does it smell like
0: bubblegum? Forgery,
2: like that, like, yeah, I'm not surprised that they would have to print something on it specifically. Just like with with fake money that they use. Yeah, there's
1: probably some sort of thing they put on. If if not a blatant, this is a fake, some sort of special, like, marker somewhere so that, like, collectors know, like, look out for this. This means it's a prop replica.
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they do that.
1: It's funny, because I'm sure nowadays you could just, you know, with a good enough printer, just print one out. Especially if you're going to slap it in plastic like that.
2: Yeah, and if it's only being seen over TV.
1: Yeah, and it was never looked at super closely, more than like two or three times, very quickly.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, we do get one good shot of it. Near the end.
1: But yeah, that's what I was saying to Caitlin 1.2, it's like... Man, on the one hand, a 1951 mint condition Willie Mays. Now we think of that as being like incredibly priceless. But it's like, but now it's the 24th century. and No one gives a fuck about baseball except Cisco. So maybe and it's Faggio. cheap again. Yeah, and Fajo and uh, maybe Geiger.
2: It's yeah. yeah. But I feel I feel like something like a baseball card, which is a piece of paper that is mm. yeah, it's organic material. It's going to deteriorate unless it's like meticulously cared for. Yeah. And this one has survived
1: five centuries.
2: Yeah. Multiple wars and being, you know, multiple cultures in space, like just being passed around. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably not worth so much because it's a Willie Mays baseball card, although I'm sure that adds to the value, but also the fact that it's an artifact from the 1950s that is made out of paper. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it might condition.
0: honestly just be like the only one left, you know.
1: Yeah. So
0: Geiger's crash
1: there. What? Is uh Geiger's what? that's what I took to calling it cuz that's roughly what the initials would work out to. Um
0: God, I don't like Chris. What are you talking about? His Chamber. capsule
1: thing. He's a delightfully weird fellow. His whole bored cells thing, which isn't even his theory, which is even crazier.
3: Oh, he's nuts. He's out of his fucking mind.
1: Someone else thought this up and he was like, that sounds like a science. (laughs) He's made up that he's being chased by people that clearly don't exist.
3: Oh, yeah. I wanted to hear more about them. Yeah. What were they fucking called? It was
2: like the The soulless soulless something of orthodoxy. orthodoxy.
3: Yeah, the minions, the, the, minions, the, of orthodoxy. Of orthodoxy.
2: the minions of orthodoxy. Yeah. I want
3: them to have their own episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, well like, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping that it turned out that it, it was actually true that the like, dominion were actually the soulless minions of orthodoxy.
1: Cuz that feels like a good way to describe them.
2: Yeah. Like that's not, not their actual name obviously. That's just what he's come to call them. Yeah. But they actually the, the real the this, you know, they, they only wanted you to think they were there to make a deal with or They were actually at Deep Space Nine specifically hunting this guy down. Yeah. Hmm. But it was not to be. Yeah, Weyoun no. and
3: him are best friends now. and It's very cute.
2: Yeah.
1: I really like to think Weyoun goes back to uh, his bosses talking about cellular on Wii, and they're like, all right, this model's fucked up. Yep. Kill it, bring on a new the one. the next
2: clone. Oh. Unpack
1: See, the new one. that's the funny one.
3: thing. The funny thing about bringing this specifically to Weyoun... Who is a clone and has basically stated like this is a way that we have immortality because we just do the clone thing mm. and then he meets up with Geiger who's doing immortality a different crazier way yeah. like like yeah match made in heaven I ship them hard
2: yep same yeah I liked uh, um you now jake jake cisco's you know, me i r l moment when when Geiger asks him like do you want to die? And he's like, not really.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He's got a good pitch, that Geiger. I did read that originally, um, Geiger was meant to be trying to, in in the original script, to resurrect his dead wife using like a piece of whatever flesh, like her ear or something that she had left over. God. But the writer is like, bring this back to more and say, yeah, that's not going to work because that would make him a sympathetic character and we don't really want to care about him.
0: We kind he's of kind want of- sympathetic anyway because he's nuts. Is well, that he's, sympathetic? He's
1: fun because he's nuts.
0: Yeah, like- No, I just kind of feel bad for him. Honestly, I I was a little sympathetic towards him.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: yeah he well, seemed happy he wasn't enough.
0: doing anybody any harm. Really, he's yeah, just no. cuckoo, and that was I was just like, oh, he's but a what's, poor guy. What's
2: crazy though, not crazy, but what's what's funny about I th- I think most funny about the Geiger character is that you know the pseudoscience that he was peddling. Is one hundred percent realistic in the realm of bullshit pseudoscience that <laughs> that you could imagine. Yeah. Um, like I, I could totally picture somebody today selling a you know, a, a personal regeneration chamber which stimulates the mitochondrial entertainment centers of your body's to one point two trillion cells. It
0: Let's plays it. cultural with them. Like, like, let's get on it right now Didn't uh
1: I mean the, the problem of course with this guy is like There's so many stories There's blatant lies but he was so nuts People are like that sounds believable But like supposedly fucking Michael Jackson slept in a Bariatric oxygen chamber Because they thought it would help him
2: live longer That huh. yeah, didn't work uh- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus the, uh- That's the thing
1: he kept going about how he was going to live forever. It's like, well, I mean, what you're saying is you won't age or die of that. But, I mean, none's to stop a shuttle from exploding. Like what did in your predecessor. That's
2: not how. How do you think Michael Jackson died? <laughs> no, no, I'm just talking. Well, <laughs> I, know well, I it, know.
1: well, that's what kind of spurred it on. I mean, he died of an overdose.
2: Which Wasn't it the- an overdose of his sleeping medication? Something like that, yeah. That he probably... So apparently his bariatric chamber wasn't a good sleeping environment. No. Oh, no. no. no, no.
1: But, you know, the guy t- keeps talking about how he can make people immortal. It's like, I mean, well, you can make them immortal in some regards, but until you can find a cure for exploded shuttle.
3: Oh, this is yeah. shuttle. I heard shovel. Oh, got very
2: confused. <laughs> I mean, you could beat him with a shovel and yeah, that would probably... and
0: explode. Yeah. Like uh, O'Brien but, does but honestly when he though, plays board games.
2: Here's what we need to do. <laughs> We need to send this episode to Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, <laughs> because it'll be, it'll be the, 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 if we want this, this product to become a reality, that's what we do.
3: Yeah, we, need, we need a goops, goop, goop, cro- uh, entertainment chamber. Goop troop. You
2: goop know she'd troop. have to add some
1: special, like, attachment to clean the yoni, though.
0: Maybe ne- it can never be heard a, a cell refer- to entertainer and yoni cleaner. I've
1: only heard her refer to it as that, which is why I said it. Oh I'm
3: surprised you listen this much to Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris. <laughs> oh, no, I
1: don't. It's just from reading articles making fun of her.
0: Awesome. You know, other people that call it yoni are definitely people who believe that getting sunlight on your perineum is good for your health. Mm. I Gross. like to sun my yoni. Get the fuck out of here.
2: That's um, that's a good way to get chafing later.
0: Ugh. <laughs> Just feels like it's a sp- it's a part of the body that does not see sunlight. You feel I mean, like it's it literally
2: become- where the sun don't shine. Yeah,
0: that's what we, as we, they say. There's an so expression. Just feel like it would be sunburned central. It would be really. Speaking uncomfortable. of chafing, I wanted to bring
3: up the stupidest part of this episode, and that's that Ronald D. Moore named Geiger specifically for the Wizard of Oz pun
1: once yeah, everyone,
3: what's, literally everyone, read the script and then watched the footage and ev- and said, you have to cut this. It's really it stupid. It is it's really really stupid. really stupid. It made me vomit in my mouth a little bit. It's so dumb. It but was really more, dumb. yeah, Wait, more what, would not budge.
2: What was, what, 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 did I miss the pun or did I, what was it?
3: Lions, Lions and, Geigers and, Geigers and Geigers and Bears. Oh, that, yes. Oh my.
1: That's the thing, yeah. we had actually been talking about the fact, like, that can't be his real name. That's such a dumb name. It's like, oh, you named him this just so you could do that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah.
0: I thought it was yeah, Geiger, like Geiger counter or something. And I was like, that's stupid. And then I was like, oh, that's stupider. Even worse. Like,
1: it is terrible. But credit to Lofton for how well he delivered the oh my.
0: Well, <laughs> well is the word we're going with. Well, like, I th- like, there was nothing wrong with the delivery. The line no. was stupid. The like, line he, is real stupid.
1: Like, I don't think I could have delivered that with a straight face. You know, I think no matter how hard I tried, my old eyes would have tried to roll out of my head. <laughs> and the fact that he was able to be like, "Oh my," he it should seems... have
0: ruined the take so yeah. that they'd have to cut it. Yeah, he probably did the first thirty
3: times. Just just
1: mm. farted every time he said it.
3: Actually, I don't think I understand the reference when they when they when he says, "I want to go beard the lion." Yeah,
1: I've never heard that expression before
2: either.
0: I didn't. Yeah, even, like- I didn't bu- get around to looking it up. So. Thanks. I didn't even know the lion was gay. So I think it just <laughs>
2: means like go because it's it's not just beard it's beard it's specifically beard the lion in his den. I think it specifically would mean you go and you you fight a lion a, a it, on his on his home turf.
1: It is a real idiom. They didn't just make it up for the episode.
3: No, oh, I didn't think they would. I, I just assume it's not an idiom that's used a lot.
1: Yeah, I I mean I. N- Oh, it's apparently from the first book of Samuel, chapter 17, verse 35.
0: There you go. And it means what?
1: Just to confront someone on their home turf.
0: Oh, so you were right, Jake. Oh.
1: But yeah, it was like, really? But again, it's basically they had to find a lion idiom so they could do their stupid joke. I
0: hated it.
3: Yeah. Normally, I'm a big fan of Ronald D. Moore, but today, that one line, that one line makes me just not
1: not yeah i hate the line but i give the bastard credit for being like
2: nope
3: (laughs) keeping it in because i love it it's my
2: fucking dream i'm putting it in uh i actually i I also wanted to call i really liked the actor that played geiger i thought yeah he he did a good job
3: yeah we're gonna see Uh, him in voyager a bunch too
2: i mean i think he's also like he's he's one of ronald d moore's go-to guys too i feel like because he shows up uh I feel like he shows up in Battlestar. I, he, he's a, he has a major role in Caprica, the, the huh. Battlestar follow-up.
3: When is he in Caprica?
2: He's the cop. He's the cop in Caprica. I feel Caprica like
0: he, cop? I feel God. like he reminded me of the actual time traveler that we saw that time. Rasmussen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, at first, Caitlin's theory was he was a time traveler.
0: Yeah, I was... thought he was pulling a biff and like stealing the Willie May card so we could go make some bank on it. Ooh. But I guess that doesn't make sense because he obviously already had bank in the present. Because he bought it for 10 10 bars of latinum.
2: So Rasmussen's plan was to take artifacts from the future back to the past and invent them. Mm -hmm. Yep. But if he really wanted to just get rich, he should have just taken some baseball cards to the future.
3: Oh yeah, that's pretty good. I've
1: always said, if you have access to a time machine, you go to the supermarket... You buy yourself, like, 20 bucks worth of spices, go back to sixteen hundred Spain, <laughs> get an armful of gold, and then return to the present where you either melt down the gold or you just sell your antique mint-conditioned Spanish gold.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Here's the problem with all that time travel. If you go back in time to, to any period in the past... You're bringing so many fucking viruses and shit with you that they that have is, no antibodies oh for. That is oh true. No. Like, like you would you would go back in time, then you'd come back to the present day, and you'd find out that the entire human race was wiped out by I don't know, the syphilis, super syphilis. Mm.
0: You'd have to have syphilis when you travel to the past to give people syphilis. Nope.
2: this
3: guy, this guy had syphilis.
0: What do you mean? Nope. Nope.
2: nope. Yeah, this is time travel.
0: <laughs> oh, good. But fucking temporal it, Time travel
2: isn't real, and syphilis is now something that spontaneously is created in the time travel process. I mean,
0: look. Uh, I, see, I see. see.
2: If I'm going back in time to sell
1: spices to that hot bitch, Queen Isabella, we are gonna fuck. That's And true. they didn't have good condoms <laughs> back then.
0: I am gonna give her syphilis. I mean, the
1: lover's pox.
0: Chris is his own grandpa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no, I think one of the only places in Europe we can't trace my family back to is Spain. So we're good.
2: Yeah, but there's is, there's a thing where like uh, almost anybody who is of European descent is 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 related in some way to like every royal that that exists in uh, any point in history in Europe or something. There's, some, there's something like that. Like anybody of your like I know for a fact that there is an article I read where. They said that if you have any European descent, then you are, by definition, a direct descendant of Charlemagne.
1: Well, so actually, I read about that, too, once. And I guess that is a little more iffy, just because they found a lot of people were just claiming they were descended from him with no real proof.
2: So, yeah,
1: yeah
3: I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that.
2: But it's also but I mean, it's, it's also not necessarily like genetically proven. It's it's a mathematical. Proof. I see. Oh, so it's ba- it's based it's based on you know, reproduction rates and Charlemagne Fox. Yeah. Well, if anybody, like if there is one living known direct descendant, like that can be proved out with an actual lineage, all, you know, then because of the time that has passed, you know, the, the math basically shows that everybody that is from Europe would have to also be related.
0: Fair enough. I want to know what percentage of people are related to Victor Hugo. (laughs) <laughs> now, allegedly, Victor Hugo would fuck like nine times a day, often with different partners.
1: Yeah, we talked about how uh, what a horny he was.
0: Weird guy. I just want to know, like, how did that affect the everyone? World?
1: Is either descended from Charlemagne, Victor Hugo, or, or Genghis Khan? I almost
0: said mm. Gilgamesh. That would have. That's not right. That's <laughs> not that right at all. <laughs> all. Not quite. Anyway, I'm going to bring it back to our friend Geiger, who
3: had a really stupid line I wrote down. Because they ask, you know, he says, I'm not I'm not breaking the law or anything, except perhaps the laws of nature.
0: Oh, and I wanted did. to punch
3: him.
1: Yeah. Then I was like, because we didn't know what his scheme was yet. I was like, did he buy that thing to fuck it?
0: Then <laughs> I just said, I knew it. He is a time traveler. <laughs> we were both uh, wrong. As far as we know, I guess Chris could still be right.
1: I was. It was funny that he almost like was trying to bring back his dead wife, because at first I was like big chamber, weird medical shit. Is he trying to do a Frankenstein? Hmm. But then he was like, I'm gonna build a TV for my cells, and it's like, you're a funny little man.
0: Weirdo. Here's a
3: I mean,
2: question. It's, it's a sound theory.
3: Yeah, here's a question. So, Jake specifically doesn't want to tell anyone what they're actually trying to get All these, dev- all these contraptions and ingredients for yeah because he thinks it'll get back to to his dad okay sure but also there's gotta be a better lie there's like Jake is a bad liar up uh, until the very end when when he tells a great story
1: yeah yeah I I thought thought, oh dad
3: we were just drunk yeah dumb
1: yeah I, I like that that was a running theme in this that he's a writer but boy he cannot lie
0: Kind of wonder if that speaks to the fact that he's never really had to be a liar.
1: That's true. Like, Mm. I feel like,
0: if anything else, this really is just more proof that his relationship with his dad is really good, because it means he's never had to, like, hoodwink him on the regular.
1: Yeah, like, I'm sure there's some little white lies here and there, especially in the early days of the Nog friendship. But, yeah, overall, you're right. I feel like their relationship is probably mostly true.
3: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I like that. I was like when he tried to be all slick and wrong with Bashir, who's just like, what? No, no, I'm thrilled. I finally have time to do my research.
3: Really use Kukalaka, though. Yeah. I like that we see Kukalaka. Yeah. That was kind of nice. Apparently they had like a I'm going to call it an audition, because why the fuck not? Sure. Because I guess one of the one of the writers, or one of the people on the team, I forget who, brought in a bear, and they're like, yeah, it's a cute bear. Let's see some more bears, though. <laughs> they went and bought, like, eight more bears, <laughs> and then another person on the team brought in her bear, and they, they went with um, uh, B.C. Cameron's bear.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because it had to be, like, older looking. You couldn't just yeah, buy, like, worn. a brand new, you know fresh-from-the-shop's uh, yeah. teddy bear. Something, this something is a he's teddy clearly bear slept that, with. Yeah, yeah, that he's carried around for, you know, his his entire vast 30 years. Oh, he's <laughs> <is> so old. <laughs> Anything else? But No
1: Jed Zia this episode.
0: Or oh, the wow. last one, right?
1: She was there very briefly during the, like, oh, wait, it's too loud a quarks scene. Yeah, she was. Oh, yeah,
0: that's right. When they went in and then they were like, How about Klingon?
1: But yeah, I I felt her absence from especially the party was very conspicuous.
0: Hmm. I recently started following Terry Farrell on Instagram. Neat. Yeah. Very
1: nice.
0: She's still gorgeous, in case you were wondering. Oh, I don't doubt it.
1: But yeah, no, aside from that, um, that was something I noticed, but didn't really factor in in any way. Um, I didn't think they did a really good job with that opening scene where it was like, it was so, everyone was just so bleak. I was half expecting this was going to be like an episode where we're going to flash back to see what led up to this. Ah. And it was just, nope, everyone's just miserable because everything sucks lately. Maybe they're yeah. sad
0: because Pachetti, Bakhta, Stotsov, and Amaro all died the week before.
1: No, they don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, the they either. Only, yeah, only joke, O'Brien I... knew who they were.
0: They hated Pachetti.
1: So much.
3: He's Tony Kardashian bit, like, contraptions, but
2: man, talk about like O'Brien's engineering crew, they don't have a long life. Uh, Kike, yeah, a couple Aww. weeks ago,
0: well,
2: more than now, is ago, but
1: now, now, some other one's got the flu or whatever, which is why he's got to do this recalibrating,
2: yeah. So, uh, if uh, note to Starfleet people, if you get offered an engineering gig. On Deep Space Nine, uh... With O'Brien. Don't take it.
0: it's
2: Really fucking God, dangerous. Somebody tell
0: Nog. <laughs> oh, no. He's in danger. Yeah, why is it his job
3: to help engineering all of a sudden and not ROMs?
1: Well, I, I, they just seem to be having him, like, do a little bit of everything yeah, as done, part like, of his work study.
0: study. Gotta be a renaissance Ferengi. I hope he's working with that Klingon chef.
1: Ooh. So he can pick his major. Hmm.
3: Oh, we didn't hit on whatever core classes. We didn't hit on whatever you said you were thinking about for the title, Chris.
1: Oh, I I joked to Caitlin I was gonna call it uh, Lions and Geigers and Bears.
0: Oh God, no! And I tried to talk him out of it, but he just won't. He won't let it go. So
1: No, you know me. I I like stuff that applies to both episodes when possible. I think any of the stuff you guys said earlier is much better. Oh,
3: good. Take that, Ronald D. Moore.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's the title. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, albeit very, very different episodes, I think this was a good solid week.
3: Yeah. Yeah, good week. Could have used less Kotra. Could have used fewer bear, f- fewer lions. The bear was mm.
1: fine. <laughs> I think you know, so you gotta have this, because like, I know next week we're doing the season finale, and I'm sure shit's Shit usually gets really real in a season finale, so it's like, all right, we're gonna. Cause I know a lot of shows will do that. It's like, especially shows they're more lighthearted, but then when they get to the end, they're like, all right, tone's about to shift. Let's have a fun one.
0: Yeah, really. What what is the uh, what is the cliffhanger gonna be this time? Mm. Find out next week when we return. For one more episode of Season 5 of Deep Space Nine, we've we finally, well, not finally made it. I mean, I'm not really looking forward to it I can't believe how far over. we've already gotten. But next week we'll be uh, talking about Call the Arms. Call to Arms. Sorry, oh, well, that that's, well, that's, well, that's not what you wrote. <laughs> call the call, Arms. Call to Arms makes a lot more fucking sense, <laughs> though. I will give you that. I was like, wow, that's a stupid fucking name for an episode. Next week, Call to Arms, and our Season 5 wrap-ups will tell you what we loved, what we hated, and... No, that's it. Nothing in between. Fuck all those episodes that only barely make the cut. If you want to make sure not to miss that thrilling episode, you can subscribe to our podcast. Uh, We are a star to steer her by. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and soundcloud almost forgot about soundcloud mm. or sound clown as it has not been okay. called in many many seasons uh, you can find us on twitter and tumblr as sshb podcast you can search for us on facebook a star to steer her by we are also have a website at sshbpodcast.com. Uh, where you can check out, uh, articles that, uh, folks have written about, you know, who's the worst, uh, admiral, and, uh, what ship is the least ugly, and where does Wesley get those damn ugly sweaters? (laughs) We also, uh, have our fan fictions up there, as well as previous season wrap-ups, so if you wanna see if you, uh, wanna play along at home and guess which ones we liked and disliked by, uh. You know, triangulating results from previous seasons. While well, you go right ahead, uh, use use a flux coupler. I know we're all looks. At, I know we're all looking for something interesting to do at this point. Because
1: Entertain yourselves.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you for joining us uh, as usual. I have been Caitlin.
1: I have been Jake. This has been Chris.
0: And this is always Ames. Rule of acquisition number two two nine. Latinum lasts longer than lust gross good night seattle we love you <laughs> <laughs>